The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter 10. We are continuing our series that we have been in and actually finishing the series today that we have been in called I Got Issues, You Got Them Too. And today I'm going to talk to you about the issue of perfectionism. Everybody say perfectionism. Perfectionism. Now what's interesting is we talked about this, you know, this issue being perfectionism. I've been studying this all week. And today during our first service, we had probably one of the most imperfect services we've ever had. Uh, we had issues with sound. We had issues with video. We had a microphone that wouldn't work. It was one of those things where you're just going, all right, now I'm going to get up and talk about perfectionism. Thanks, Lord, right? But, you know, it tends to go that way sometimes. But uh, we've been in this series talking about these issues because these issues are a big deal. We all have issues in our life, things that we're dealing with, things that we struggle with. And, and here's the thing. God doesn't want you to just live life kind of just dealing with all your issues and carrying them around. You know, too often people kind of allow the issues of life, the things that they're struggling with to become their identity. And so what we've been talking about is moving past these issues by, by looking at what the word of God says and by being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, if you've missed any of these last several weeks, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. In fact, last week, my wife taught on negativity. Wasn't that awesome? Man, she did such a great job. That was, that was one of the best messages I think we've ever had here at New Song Church. When she was talking about the Canon lens, like I was ready to throw my chair and run around the room. Like I got kind of excited. It was such good stuff. And uh, I just want to encourage, if you've missed any of those, go back and listen to them. Because I really believe that these, these issues, we all deal with them. And we can, we can find a lot of, of strength and wisdom through God's word and through this series. I think you can really grow. And so today we're going to look at perfectionism. Now, maybe you're sitting by someone today. Don't look at them. Don't, not, don't nudge them. Don't elbow them. But maybe someone around you that struggles with perfectionism. But what I want to encourage you to, to understand today is I think we all struggle with it. The more I've studied this this week, the more I've seen that I think perfectionism, while some people may struggle with it more than others, I think we all to to some degree struggle with this issue of perfectionism. So today I want to show you how we identify it and how we can step uh, past it and move into what God's called us to have, all right? Um, So let me, first of all, let's, let's talk about perfectionism a little bit. Uh, perfectionism is not perfectionism. There you go. Say it right there. Already starting. Perfectionism is not, when I talk about that, I'm not talking about just like being excellent in something, like wanting to be excellent, striving for excellence. I'm not talking about um, having, paying close attention to detail. Those things are actually good. You know, if you have a job and you want to, you want to do your job well, you're supposed to work in your, in the work that you do, you're supposed to do it as unto the Lord. And if I'm doing something as unto the Lord, I'm going to strive for excellence. I'm going to pay attention to the details. I'm going to want to be good at it. Here's the difference between that and perfectionism. While that, while going after excellence and, and trying to achieve excellence, you may achieve it. Perfectionism is never satisfied even when you achieve it. See, perfectionism is never satisfied. There, there's, when, you're, when you're struggling with perfectionism in an area of your life, there's always this little critical voice inside of you that says, it's never enough. You could have done better. You could have done better. It's never enough. Uh, you, you, you should have done better. You should have done it this way. There's this little critical voice that speaks negative things inside of us. 
And so we continue to strive for that, and if we're not careful, we'll, we'll push that off onto the people around us. If, you, if you're taking notes this morning, let me just encourage you to take notes, because statistics tell us that we, people who take notes remember 70% more than people who don't, okay? So if nothing else, get out a piece of paper, get out your iPhone, get out something, and take some notes this morning. But if you're taking notes, write this down, okay? Perfectionism is a refusal to extend yourself grace, we're going to talk about grace a lot this morning because perfectionism is a refusal to extend yourself grace. Now, grace is, the un, is unmerited favor, meaning it's, it's unearned favor. It's favor that we don't deserve. And perfectionism, when you struggle with perfectionism, you struggle with giving yourself anything you feel like you don't deserve. But, but God, listen, that's not the life God's called you to live. God's called you to step into his grace, to embrace his grace, and to walk in not just your own perfection, but walk in the perfection of Jesus Christ. So to, to kind of jump into the message this morning, I want to start by answering three questions for you, three questions that will kind of be the basis for where we're going in this message. And here's the first one. What is perfectionism? Okay, real simple definition. Here it is. Perfectionism is a compulsion to strive for flawlessness, a compulsion to strive for flawlessness. Here's the, the second question. What is the root of perfectionism? At its core, perfectionism, perfectionism is a desire to not let someone down in the fear of never being enough. It's a desire to not let someone down in the fear of never being enough. And here's the really big question. What is the lie of perfectionism? Here it is. God and people will love me more when I do well, and they'll love me less if I fall short. God and people will love me more when I do well, and they'll love me less when I fall short. Listen, that is not how it works. That is a lie. Because God offers you unconditional love. And unconditional love means it's unconditional. It's not based on you is based on who he is. It's based on that God is love and he loves you. And we gotta get this, we gotta get this figured out because if we have this perfectionism stuff, either something that kind of drives us through life or it's something that is driving an area of our life and we don't learn how to deal with it, let me just tell you, it's gonna wear you out, it's gonna make you, it's gonna exhaust you and it's gonna wear out the people around you and exhaust the relationships and hurt you. Listen, perfectionism does damage and it costs you. And I don't think we always realize how much it costs us. So real quick, I want to give you five things, five ways that perfectionism hurts you, five ways that it costs you. Okay, here's the first one. Perfectionism sabotages God's power. Perfectionism sabotages the power of God in your life. It puts limits on God's ability to work in your life, to bring his power, his supernatural power into your natural life. The Bible says this in Romans eight twenty six. It says, likewise, the Holy Spirit also helps us in our perfection. Is that what it says, church? No, it does not. What does it say? He helps us in our weakness. Okay, look at this. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. My grace, talking about the grace of God. Paul is talking about the grace of God in his life. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. It means it's more than enough. My strength is made perfect in perfection. Is that what it says? No, it is not what it says. What does it say? It says, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. 
See, here's what you need to see this morning. God's power works best, is perfected in the areas of your life where you feel imperfect, where you feel weak. See, here's kind of how it works, okay? In life, we all are going to struggle with some things. There are going to be some things that we face in life that we are not able to deal with them just in our own strength, and our own ability. It's kind of like that guy, you know, if you've ever been to the weight room before, working out, there seems to be always a guy in the weight room that is lifting more than he should, right? And this guy is making a lot of noise. I know at our gym, there's a guy that walks around and he like mumbles to himself. He walks over to, and he just is lifting and just grunting and screaming and letting, and, and you're watching him and you're like, does he, does he need help? Like, I don't, what's going on over here? And, and see, this is us sometimes in life. We're, we're dealing with stuff and we're trying to deal with it on our own and we're grunting and we're going through life. And here's what I believe God does. He comes to us and he says, hey, you need some help with that? <laughs> I, I can lift that for you. I, I can, I, I'm pretty strong. I can lift that. I can take that off of you. But here's the problem. Our, pride, our prideful perfectionism says, no, 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 I, I got this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this on my own. I, I can take care of this on my own. I don't need you, God. I'm going to do this on my own. And here's what happens. We miss out on the power of God at work in the areas where we need the power of God to work in our life. Because we have these areas of weakness and we try to cover them too often instead of embracing them and allowing God's power to work in us, through us, and for us. So when we're walking in this idea of perfectionism, we sabotage God's power to work in our life. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back to that at the end of the message. We'll talk more about that. But let's move on to the second one. Perfectionist, here's number two. Perfectionists see mistakes and they miss moments. Now, I told you to turn to Luke chapter 10 earlier. We're going to look at that now. Perfectionists see mistakes and they miss moments. Here's what they do. Perfectionists are so concerned about the details of life that they often uh, miss out on what really matters. And in the story in, in Luke chapter 10, what we see is, is, is this girl who is missing out on a really amazing opportunity that's in front of us because she's so concerned about the details. She's so concerned about making everything perfect. This is the story of Mary, Martha, and Jesus. Luke 10 verse 38 says this, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him, talking about Jesus, into her home. Her sister Mary, now look at what's, what's going on with Mary, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted. Okay, if you have a physical Bible with you, if you're taking notes, write down that word distracted. We're gonna come back to that here in just a moment. She was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. That's spending time with Jesus. That's what he's saying. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Martha is missing out on an amazing opportunity right now because she's so fixated on making everything perfect. She's so fixated on what's missing, what's not right, what needs to be perfect, that she's missing out on what is right and what is perfect, which is Jesus, the Son of God, is in her home wanting to hang out with her. 
And this can happen to us sometimes in life. We get so fixated on, on, on the details and what's not right that we miss out on relationships and we miss out on connections that God wants to make with us. Listen, Jesus didn't come to Mary and Martha's house that night so that they could serve him. He came to their house that night because he wanted to be with them, because he wanted to love them. He wanted to talk to them. He wanted to minister to them, but she's missing out on it. Why? Because she's so focused on making everything perfect. And listen, we can fall All of us can fall prey to this many times. We get so focused on the details that we miss out on on moments. For example, your kid has a birthday party coming up, right? And I'm telling you, the world we live in today is different than the world I grew up in the 80s. When I was a kid in the 80s, when your birthday rolled around, you got like a sheet cake, right? And somebody scribbled your name on it in like, you know, icing that tasted like not good. And you got a couple of balloons and they kind of laid there on the floor, and that's, that was your birthday party. And I remember getting presents in like brown paper bags. What's up? It's birthday time. Like, this is how we roll. But now, man, it ain't that way. Like, you got to go paint your house before your birthday party, reshingle the roof, bring in some people to do some dirt work on. I mean, it's a totally different game because stuff like Pinterest has, has caused us to want to have these Pinterest perfect birthday parties that are thematically perfect from the moment someone walks in. And so what do we do? We, we strive for this perfect birthday party experience for our kid. We're striving to make everything just right. And so we, what do we do? We lock our kids in their, in their closet so they can't come out and mess up the party we're trying to throw for you that's going to be perfect. Stay out of here, kids. We're trying to make a perfect party for you, right? How messed up is that? And then they come out and and we're so busy trying to get everything right. We don't even enjoy the party. It's all over. And it's like, boy, just worn out and exhausted. And and everyone in the family is exhausted because we've, we're trying to create some perfect idea when really all we need to do is just love our family and love our children and embrace that it's a great day. And that's what I think Jesus was was showing us here in this verse is, hey, just, just spend time with me. You know what? Don't worry about all this making everything perfect. The perfect one is here and he wants to be with you. And, in, and this perfectionist stuff will drive us to miss out on moments, to miss out on relationships, to miss out on connections with God and with the people God's placed in your life. So we've got to learn to deal with this. Here's number three. Perfectionism derails relationships. Now back to the story of Mary and Martha. Notice that Mary, it said, she was sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? And what does Martha do? She comes in while, while Mary's sitting at the feet and is like, Jesus, my sister sucks, right? Like right there in front of her. She's like, what's wrong with her? Why isn't she helping me out? Why isn't she doing what she's supposed to be doing? Like she's, she's lame, like right in front. It just throws her under the bus. She's right there. And, but this is what happens. Sometimes when you're struggling with perfectionism, you get so focused on, on the details, you get so focused on, on the petty that sometimes you, you lose sight of people and you abuse people and you beat down the people around you because you're trying to achieve this ultimate goal of, of perfectionism in your life. And that's what, what Martha's doing. Now, hear me, like in life, I think it's okay to strive for some perfection in your life. Like I was saying at the beginning, to want to be to walk in excellence and walk in some perfectionism in your job is one thing. For example, um, if I am going in for a major surgery, uh, I want the doctor who's going to be performing the surgery to be a little bit of a perfectionist. My surgery is not a grace, you know, related atmosphere right now. Like this is not, no, we're not going to give you grace here. I want some perfectionism. I want you doing your job well. 
Like no one wants the doctor that goes in and he, you know, he's, he's cutting along and doing his thing and oh, oopsie daisy, I cut an artery. Like that's not good, that's not cool. No one wants the doctor that the nurses would say this about him. Well, you know, he's, he killed five people last week, but he's a really great guy to work with. And nobody wants that. We want the guy that strives for excellence, that looks at what he's doing and says, I'm going to be good at this. I'm going to be the best I can possibly be. I'm going to leave as little margin for error as possible. I want to be perfect in this. Now, that's okay. What's not okay is to then take some of that, some of that, uh, that mentality that we have with the jobs that we do, with the work that we do, with maybe some of those standards that we hold our employees to and, or the people we work with to, to take that home and then hold our children to that same standard. Hold our wife to that same standard. Hold your husband to that same standard. Like hold your kid that's playing his t-ball game to a standard of perfection. Like that's not cool. And listen, that is going to derail some relationships. If you're so focused on everything being perfect, you're going to hurt some people because when, when people are just auditing your life all the time, those are not the people that you necessarily want to be around. So we've got to realize that this perfectionism stuff derails relationships. It hurts us in our relationships. Here's the fourth way perfectionism hurts you. It, it causes procrastination. Perfectionism causes procrastination. H- have you ever had something in your life that you wanted to do? Maybe it's, it's kind of a dream task that you'd like to do or some project that you'd like to do or maybe it's going back to school to do something to get some some more education or something like that and you find yourself that you just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and quite possibly one of the reasons you're putting it off is because of perfectionism because you're waiting for everything to be perfect before you step into doing whatever that thing is you're waiting for the perfect circumstances you're waiting for the perfect timing. You're, you're waiting for uh, the perfect environment. You're waiting till you, you have enough money, till the money is just right. You're, you're, you're waiting till the kids get, get out of school so that you can do these things. You're waiting. And, and what happens is we procrastinate because of perfectionism. We put this stuff off. And, and we, put our, we make our standards so high that perfectionism causes paralysis in our life in things that maybe God is calling us to do. The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4. It says, if you wait for perfect conditions, look at this, you'll never get anything done. If we're waiting for everything to be perfect, you're not going to get a lot done. You know, the Bible talks about this. We're to walk by faith, right? We walk by faith, not by sight. In order to walk by faith, you have to step out and do some stuff sometimes that you trust God and you trust his word and you trust what he's telling you and you don't have all the answers. You just know God's calling you to do it. Last night, uh, I married a guy that, that's been a part of our church here. His name's Casey Bush. I married him and his, his uh, fiance, who's now his wife, uh, Haley. I, I, I got to proceed over their, over their wedding. It was great. It was so much fun. But I, I was thinking about this this morning. I remember uh, about a year ago sitting down with him one day and he was telling me about this girl and how much he liked her and how he was in love with her and how he was going to marry her. And then he started to tell me about all these reasons why, you know, he couldn't propose to her. He couldn't get married to her and stuff. And I listened to all this and I said, Hey man, it ain't going to be perfect. <laughs> you got to step out. You got to, I mean, you want to be ready. You want to be prepared, but you're, you're going to have to step out. If you're waiting on perfect circumstances, you're going to be waiting a long time. And listen, in life, think about this. If all it takes for the enemy to keep you from doing things God's called you to do 
is to put some circumstances in front of you that make it seem imperfect, then don't you think he's going to put some circumstances in front of you that make it seem imperfect as long as he can to keep you from what God's called you to do? Of course he is. We're called to walk by faith, not by sight, not by perfectionism. We're called to walk by faith. And by faith, we step out and do what God's calling us to do. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Perfectionism, here's the fifth one. Perfectionism destroys my happiness. Perfectionism destroys my happiness. Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 16. It says, do not be excessively righteous and do not be overly wise. Why should you ruin yourself? Okay, now notice, this is kind of an interesting verse. It's almost a verse in the Bible that you're going to go in. This doesn't make any sense because it talks about righteousness and wisdom. And it seems like it's kind of saying, don't strive for that. But really, if you look at it, there's two words that are in front of both of those words. It says, do not be excessively righteous. Do not be overly wise. Why should you ruin yourself? Here's what it's saying. It's saying, don't try to be a perfect person in all these things. Like, don't strive for perfectionism. It's not saying, you know, real wisdom and real righteousness. It's not saying not to strive for that. It's saying, don't try to make your life perfect. If you do, you're going to wear your yourself out. Notice it says, why should you ruin yourself? Another translation says, why make yourself miserable? See, here's how it is in life, okay? For every one of us, um, there is two versions of you that kind of exist within your mind. There is the real you and there is the ideal you, right? The ideal you is the version of you that you like to kind of project to the world around you. The ideal you is the version of you that you put on the job application when you're applying for a job. The ideal you is the version of you that, that if you're you know, trying to date someone or meeting someone for the first time, you wanna project that version of yourself to them. The ideal you is the person that maybe you show to people through your Instagram or Facebook feed. It's this version of you that you kind of look at and you, you, you strive to to attain, you know, who that person, who that person is. But how many of you know, there's a big difference between a lot of, for a lot of us, the ideal us and the real us, right? And and that's okay. That's just how it is in life. We're, We're striving for this, but we're not quite there. So here's what the enemy, the devil likes to do. There's an enemy in your life. His name is Satan. The Bible says he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. We talk about that all the time here at New Stone Church. And one of the ways he does this is he, he brings before you this ideal version of you and he nags you about how you're not attaining this version of you. And so he'll come to you and he'll say, why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep messing up? Are you ever going to get over this? Are you ever going to start doing that? Are you ever going to stop doing that? And he just begins to nag you and beat you down. And and what he's trying to do is he's trying to get you to come into agreement with this condemnation that he's filling your mind with. To get you to believe it and begin to get you to repeat it to yourself. And so he fills you up with this stuff. You're, you're You're too skinny. You're too fat. You're too tall. You're too short. You're awkward. You're ugly. You're dumb. You'll never amount to anything. You always fail. You're a loser. He comes at you and he says all this stuff to you and he nags you about this ideal version of you and how you cannot attain it. Now here's a question for you. Does nagging ever work? In your life, do you like being nagged? No, nobody does. Nobody likes being nagged. And when someone nags you, what typically happens? You resent that person and you dislike that person. Now here's the trick of the enemy. If he can get you to believe that that's you talking to you, 
that that is just your own thoughts, then what happens? You begin to resent yourself and you begin to dislike yourself. But here's the other lie. As he comes to you and he says, that's not just your voice. That's actually the voice of God. And God is looking at you saying, you're a loser. You're no good. Why can't you get this right? Why can't you figure this out? And so what happens is God becomes the big critic in the sky that we can never please, that has this perfect standard for us that we cannot rise to. And what do we do? We begin to resent God and dislike God. And it drives a wedge between us and God. It makes God out to be someone that, listen, he is not. Perfectionism hurts us. It does a lot of damage to our life. Perfectionism destroys our happiness. It steals our joy. It sabotages God's power. It sees mistakes and misses moments. It derails relationships and it causes procrastination. So how do we deal with it? How do we move past this perfectionism stuff? Well, remember at the beginning of this message, we talked about grace. And I said that perfectionism is a refusal to extend yourself grace. So how do we step out from under this perfectionism stuff, we have to learn to embrace the grace of God for us. We got to embrace God's grace. Now, to help you do this this morning, I have an acrostic for you. And the acrostic is RELAX, R-E-L-A-X, RELAX. Okay, so here's the first, the R in, in RELAX is this. It's realize nobody's perfect. If you're going to learn to deal with perfectionism in your life, you first of all have to realize Ain't nobody perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. I can't be perfect. The Bible says this in Psalms 119 verse 96. Nothing is perfect except God's word. God's word is the only perfect thing that we have in existence in this world that we can hold in our hands. God's word is perfect. None of us are perfect. The way that you were raised was not perfect. Uh, what society tells you is not perfect. What, what's going on in the world today obviously is not perfect. The only thing that is perfect in this world is the word of God. And that's why we wanna build our life on the word of God because it's the only thing that we can trust to never lie to us, to be perfect and to walk with us every step of our, of, of our life is, is if we build our, our life on this word of God. Nothing is perfect except for God's word. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 20 says this, there is no one on earth who does what is right all the time and never makes mistakes. We all make mistakes. We all mess up. The Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God. This verse, you could say it like this. Nobody's perfect. In, in your own ability, in your own power, you cannot be perfect. You are not going to be perfect. It's not going to happen. And God, listen, God, he's not striving for you to be perfect. He understands that you're imperfect. He understands I'm imperfect. He understands you're imperfect. And that's why he offers us Jesus. That's why he offers us grace. Because grace says, I understand that you're not perfect. And so here's my son who was perfect. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death for you. And now you can exchange your imperfection for his perfection. And you can step out of your sin and into his grace and into his forgiveness. And you can be perfect before God. Now, that does not mean that you can just live any way you want to. <laughs> grace does not mean it's just a free passage. It's whatever you want to do is fine. It doesn't mean you, you, you don't strive to grow in your relationship with God, to grow as a person. If you're a jerk, like you need to work on that, okay? Don't just continue to be a jerk. If you mess up and you sin, uh, grace doesn't mean you don't have to repent. You need to repent. You need to ask for forgiveness. God's not saying that you don't have to change. What God's saying is he loves you 
in spite of your imperfection. He loves you anyways. Okay, so we need to um, R, realize that nobody's perfect. We need to, here's the E, we need to enjoy God's unconditional love. We're, we're talking about relaxing. We're talking about stepping in and embracing the grace of God in our life. We enjoy God's unconditional love. First John 3 verse 1 says this, see how very much our Father, let's talk about God, he's our Father, loves us, for he calls us his children. Everybody say children. children. Say it again, children. children. And that is what we are. We are the children of God. Now, any parents in here this morning? If you're a parent, wave your hand at me. Let me see your hand. You're a parent in here. Okay. If you're a parent in here, let me ask you something. Are your kids perfect? Yes? Somebody said yes? Wow. Nice to meet you, God. No, your kids are not perfect, right? They're, they're imperfect. Now, let me ask you this. Do you love them less because of their imperfections? No, right? You love your kids even though they're not perfect. Uh, my little daughter, Sunny, she's three. She's our youngest. And uh, she sometimes, she's gotten into like art projects a little bit more lately. She likes to draw pictures and kind of create little crafts. She wants to be like her sister who's, who's six. And so she tries to kind of do the same stuff. And so she'll bring me, sometimes I'll get home and she'll bring me something that she has created. And she'll bring it up to me and, you know, these big blue eyes and blonde hair, smile on her face and hand me this piece of paper. And when I get it, I'm just like, oh, Sunny, this is so good. What is it? And she's like, it's a froggy. Oh, yes. Oh, of course it's a froggy. I, I see it now. There's green on the paper. Yes, it's, it's a froggy. This is so good. This is, this is the best froggy I've ever seen. This froggy is perfect. Now, when I say that to her, am I saying, Sonny, this is a Picasso. You have to, no, I can't even identify that it's a frog until she tells me. But here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that it's perfect for where you are. It's perfect for where she's at in her life. That's really good that she's p figuring this stuff out and learning this. I, I understand where she's at in life at this place, at this stage of life. I remember when my kids were learning how to walk. When they were all learning how to walk, just like all of you in here who can now walk perfectly good, at one point in your life, you were falling all over yourself. And my kids would do this. They'd fall, they'd bump into things. They wouldn't always do it perfect. And when they fell down, I didn't look at them and go, what's wrong with you? It's just walking. Everybody walks. It's just, duh, dummy, come on, figure it out. One foot in front of the other, you can do this. No, I didn't do that. When they fell, I, I picked them up and I, I, I gave them a hug and I loved on them. Why? Because I love them, right? As parents, we're not waiting for our kids to like step into this perfect stage of life before we love them. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes we take that mentality though to, to Father God, and we think that he's waiting for us to, see, to achieve some level of perfection in life before he's really going to love us and give us the thumbs up. But I want you to know, God gives you the thumbs up and loves you right now where you are. He loves you because unconditional love is unconditional. That means it's not based on conditions. It's not based on what you do. It's based on who he is and he is love. And that love waits for you all the time. All right, so we're, we're learning to relax. We're learning to embrace the grace of God this morning. We realize nobody's perfect. We enjoy God's unconditional love. We embrace that he loves us like that. Here's, here's uh, the L, let God handle things. Let God handle things. Now, this is really important for a person who struggles with perfectionism because people who struggle with perfectionism love to control things. They are control freaks, right? 
And they love to have everything in control. And, and they think thoughts like this. Well, if I can control my spouse, then I'm going to have a perfect marriage. And if I can control my kids, then they're always going to be safe and everything's going to be good. So I got I to control them. If I can control the people around me, then this world will be a perfect place, right? But here's the problem with that. You can't control anybody. You're having a hard time controlling yourself. Let's be honest. And, and here's the other problem with that. When we try to control other people, here's what we're doing. We're trying to play God. And you are not a very good God, okay? Turn to the person beside you and say, you ain't God. Me and you ain't God, and we're not called to be God. So what do we do? We embrace who we are as children of God, and we give these cares, we cast these, we give this control over to God. We cast those areas of our life where we feel out of control, we give them to God. The Bible says this in, in 1 Peter 5 or 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him, talking about God, because he cares for you. Now, if you've ever gone fishing before, I'm guessing most of you have at some point, uh, you've probably gone fishing and you get the little rod and reel, you know, and you, you take it out and you, you have to cast it out in order to catch a fish. And so what you do is you take the, the rod and you put your thumb on that little button on the top, right? And you pull it back and then you cast it forward. And when you cast it forward, you have to pull your thumb off the button. You have to let go. When you let go, the line is able to be cast out into the water, right? Uh, if you don't let go, then the, the, you know, the hook can like come back and snatch you in the nose. And we've all seen those YouTube videos. It's not good. So you got to cast. You got to let go. Casting is letting go. And there's some areas of our life where in order for us to walk in the life God's called us to and step out from under this perfectionism stuff, we got to let some stuff go. We got to trust God with some stuff. That doesn't mean you're not trying to be a good spouse, you're not trying to be the best spouse you can be. That doesn't mean you're not trying to raise your kids the right way and disciple them. It doesn't mean you're not trying to do your job well, whatever that is. That just means when you find those areas that feel a little bit out of your control, that you're willing to submit those to God and say, God, I give this over to you because I, I, I can't control every person. I can't control every aspect of my life. So I, ca I cast my cares over to you. All right, we're embracing the grace of God. We're learning how to relax, okay? We realize nobody's perfect. We enjoy God's unconditional love. We let go. We let God handle things. And here's the A. We accept and confess that I have issues. We accept it and we confess it. Now, if you've been a part of this series, you know every week of this series so far, I've stood up at the beginning, I've told you the title of the message, and I've had you turn to the person beside you and say, I got issues, you got them too. And maybe this morning you, you came in and you said, oh, he must have forgot. Oh, I didn't forget. I was just waiting for this point because it goes along with this point. So turn to the person beside you, look them in the eyes and say, I got issues, you got them too. Now listen, there is power in that. There is power in, in getting ourselves to, to a place in life where we are willing to embrace the fact that we don't always have it all together and we're willing to let other people in on it, God and others. The Bible says this in James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. There's healing that comes with us being willing to go to other people and confess our faults. That word confess there is the Greek word, comes from the Greek word, exomologio. That word exomologio means to declare, to say out loud, to explain, to divulge, to blurt. Like blurt, you're just gonna, you're just gonna say it, you're just gonna let people know, you're gonna talk about it, you're gonna let it out. 
Now, remember earlier in this message, we, we talked about uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, Paul says, my grace is sufficient. He's talking about God's grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Well, a few verses before that, in verse 5, he says this. He says, I will boast only about my weakness. I will boast only about my weakness. Here's what Paul's saying. I'm going to let people know about the areas of my life I'm imperfect. I'm going to let people know about where I'm struggling. I'm going to boast about it. I'm going to blurt it out. I'm going to let people, people know about it. It goes back to verse 9. It says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He goes on to say, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness, so that the power of Jesus, the power of Christ, can work through me. Listen, the power of Jesus in our life is realized when we own the areas of our life where we feel imperfect. That's where we embrace the grace of God. When we're willing to own those things, we're able to embrace the grace and the power of God. Verse 10, that's why Paul says this, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer, I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul realized something, that those areas in his life where he feels imperfect, those areas in his life where he feels weak, those are the very areas that God wants to bring his power into his life. And here's what God wants to do. God wants to showcase his power on the platform of your imperfection. Take a notes, write that down. God wants to showcase his power on the platform of your imperfection. So what's our role? To put our imperfection on a platform. To put it out there. To talk to God about it. To embrace, accept it, confess it. Talk to God about it. Talk to other people about it. And you know what you're gonna discover as you start to go to people and tell them about the areas that you're imperfect in? They're gonna go, yeah, I know. <laughs> you're not hiding nothing from no one, okay? Those areas where you feel weak, where you're not you know, living up to maybe the standard you want to, everybody around you already knows it. So just embrace it. Accept it and confess it. Accept it, confess it, blurt it out. Let people know. Because when you do that, it empowers God to come in and to bring his power, his supernatural power into your natural life. Okay, so here's the X in relax. We're to exchange, exchange my perfectionism for God's peace. Perfectionism uh, destroys peace. Perfectionism is exhausting. It'll wear you out. It'll exhaust you. It'll steal your joy. It'll steal your peace. And, and that's not how God wants us to live our life. And so Jesus offers us a great exchange. He talked about this in Matthew 11, verse 28. This is the message translation. I, I love how it reads here. And this is Jesus talking. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Religion, when the Bible talks about religion, it's talking about doing things God's way without God involved in them. Are you burned out on that? That's how a lot of people live their life. And it's exhausting. Trying to do things God's way without God's power is exhausting. And you're going to fail. You can't do it. You need the power of God. You need God at work in your life. You need a relationship with him. It's going to wear you out. It's going to make you tired. Now look at what, what Jesus says. And I want you to notice as I read these next verses, how many times it says, with me. Okay, notice this. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to, how to take real rest Walk with me and work with me. Notice God doesn't say to walk for me. He doesn't say to work for me. He says he wants to, you to walk. He, he wants to do life with you. 
He doesn't want you to do, you're not, you're not doing your life for him. You're living your life with him. That's what Jesus came to do. He wants to live with you and be with you all the time. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. This is Jesus talking. Keep company with me. Hang out with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is the offer that Jesus makes and it's an offer that is still available for me and you today. And it is an offer that is too good for us to pass up on that we can exchange our imperfection for his perfection, that we can exchange where we're at. We can, we can cast our cares on him. We can give everything over to him. And in exchange, he'll make our load easy. He'll walk with us. He'll be with us. That's what he wants to give you today. Now, this is where it gets a little interesting. Understand this. The, the, the standard for God is perfection because God is perfect God is a perfect God. And since he is perfect, he cannot be around imperfection. This is why man could not have a relationship with God after sin. Because sin separated us from God. Because our sin kept us from being able to connect to him. Because he's perfect. He cannot be around imperfection. And so Jesus said this. Now this is, this is a little like scary when you first read it unless you understand it. But Jesus said this in Matthew 5.48. He said, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So Jesus said this. He said, you gotta be perfect. You gotta be perfect like God is perfect. But here's the thing. He knew you couldn't do that. And he's really not asking you to live a perfect life. What he's asking you to do is accept his gift of perfection that he offers you through the cross. You can receive that. And because of what Jesus did, you can be made perfect and you can have a perfect relationship with God. You can have fellowship with God. You can stand before a perfect God in spite of the imperfections, the things that you remember that you've done. Listen, before God, they're all gone. They've all been erased. Your sins have been forgiven. They've been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you've made him the Lord and Savior of your life, if you've repented for your sins, he washes all that stuff away. It's gone. And you are now in the eyes of God, perfect. Not because of what you've done, because of grace. Isn't this encouraging? You don't gotta be perfect. Jesus was perfect for you. And you can step into his perfection and you can be perfect before God. And you can walk in freedom from perfection because Jesus is for you and his grace is sufficient for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Lord, we love you and we are so grateful for the grace that you offer us. We're grateful that we can have a relationship with God because of what Jesus has done for us. We're grateful that we don't have to stand in our own righteousness. We get to stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're grateful, Jesus, that you came and you died on the cross and you didn't deserve to die. Death had no claim to your life and you willingly laid your life down. You took all the sins of this world on your back and carried them, willingly giving your life for us so that we could, through you, receive the perfection. Thank you, Jesus. We are so grateful. So grateful. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.